just by changing the language that we are using on a day-to-day basis is a key factor to be able to attract international talent. And it might seem like a super easy fix, but in discussions that we are having with companies that want to attract, the first thing we want to discuss is, okay, but is it really a requirement to have Swedish? And nine times out of 10, it's not. It's only because people are comfortable in the way that they are or the way things are. Welcome to How We Hire, a podcast by Alva Labs, with me, Linnea, licensed psychologist and head of people. This show is for all of you who hire or just find recruitment interesting. In every episode, I will speak with thought leaders from across the globe to learn from their experiences and best practices within hiring, building teams, and growing organizations. Our guest on today's episode is Leo Sjöqvist. Leo is an expert in brand management and executive recruitment with a focus on competence-based hiring. He's the commercial excellence manager at Just Arrived, a Swedish company committed to promoting equal employment opportunities to foreign-born talent. They offer services from recruitment to work permit assistance, targeting the untapped potential of international talent. Leo's work is pivotal in not only enriching the workforce, but also in building a more inclusive society. So if you've ever wondered how to leverage international talent to create a more dynamic and effective workplace, you're in for a ride and a treat today. Welcome to How We Hire, Leo. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be on this roller coaster. <laughs> it's great to start the episode with like promising that you're saving society. Exactly. It's uh, no pressure. I can feel it already. <laughs> exactly. Uh, increase the pressure. But can you kick us off with telling us a little bit about your role as a commercial excellence manager as just arrived? Yeah, sure. And the role description is quite vague, I would say. As you said, we are a recruitment and staffing company working with international talent in various ways, both getting people that are already in Sweden out to a job or assignment, depending on the situation. And we also work with work permits. So companies already having often a person in mind and we help them through the process. And in my role, it is pretty wide. I sit with everything from designing the ways we are working so that everything that we do is in line with the evidence-based way of doing things. And also with branding, uh, we I sit with our CMS, basically our web page and the systems, of course, why we have been in much contact since we have implemented Alva Labs. And of course, with the day-to-day recruitment processes that we do, with everything from having the dialogue with clients to sit in discussions and interviews with specific candidates. It's basically everything and nothing. But yeah, as you do when it's a small company, we're not as many as we have been before, but it's tough times for our industry in general, as you may be. It's a tough time for almost all industries at the moment. Yeah, it feels like there's a strong founder's story here to just arrive. But before just touching on what you just mentioned, so whenever people are listening, we are in September 2023. 
What's the recruitment market looking like for people out there? Usually when it's tough times, the demand for staffing solutions uh, often go up, uh, which we can see clearly even today. But it feels like that the knowledge that goes into how to make a good recruitment gets better and better. We try to create a method and a process that is inspired a lot from executive search, which is my background previously. And it's not very common, or I've never seen it being used within our target group uh, for, especially for blue collar workers. It's like companies in general see it's only feats and legs. It's a bit swinglish, but that it's not as important to do the recruitment process in the best possible way. And I guess it's because recruitment in general is a quite expensive thing to do. And especially when you do a faulty recruitment, it's very expensive. But by implementing these methods or this method that we have, partly by using tests as one of the first step of the recruitment, like Alva Labs, we can see that the miss rate of people going all the way is close to zero. Wow. We can see that the fit of people that we are, the fit that people or the companies experience, and also from the candidate perspective, is super successful. Why it's often worth to go in and take in help when possible. It's even for blue collar workers, like using recruitment companies for key roles have been a trend for, I mean, for like 30 years at least. And also having technology as a filter or a way of working, taking out the human errors in a way that we can do now by automating, especially the beginning of the recruitment process by not do any kind of selection in the beginning, then we have a non-biased process. That's what we try to do to make it as equal and as inclusive as we can. Mm. And I think it's interesting, the point that you bring with bringing a inclusive process with less bias in a world where biases are flying high. I mean, it is unfortunately still a fact that when you are foreign born, it is a struggle to get into the job market. It is, it is. You often have to like take jobs that are, I don't know, below your pay grade, if that makes sense, but like something that oh, you're yeah. not trained for. Yeah, definitely. Like based on all this, like what drove just arrived to to focus on helping this group of people on the job market? Yeah, that's a super relevant question, but it's the whole foundation why we do what we do and how we do what we do, even though the how have progressed in every single way. Just Right was founded based on idea that all talent is of value. And 2015, 2016, when it came around 170,000 people, a lot of people coming from Syria, it was 250 volunteers gathering and helped people basically going out to the airport, going and helping people to their first or second job in Sweden. And that's the core still, I would say, helping, being this stepping stone, helping companies, helping 
people to their first or second job in Sweden. And like you said, we can see people working in warehouses with a double PhD. And when I came in to just arrived, I thought like, this is so sad. And I still think it's sad, but we can see that getting a job, any kind of job, even though it's a job way below your level of experience is still better than not having a job. Jobs are one of the major keys to integration into a society and culture. Housing and jobs are the two biggest key factors being integrated in a society in, at whole. And we can see this as well, the progress that individuals do in such a short time. We can see that people have been unemployed for years, sometimes seven, 10 years, not having one single job in Sweden. And we have methods of seeing and identifying who and which people are a good fit for different specific roles and jobs. Giving people a shot is, of course, wonderful. Like people that thought I'm forgotten, I'm outside of the game, I can never do and work within my field again. It's unfair and it's not right. Like unleashing this true talent. And it's not only people that are coming to Sweden right now, it's people that are actually in Sweden, a half a million people that are in Sweden that are unemployed and can contribute so much. And their skill set and potential, it's a super cringe analogy, but I don't know if it's an Einstein a quote even, but I got it from a meme. Let's say that it, it is. is. <laughs> I got it from a meme and like everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life thinking it's an idiot. This is true for a lot of people in general, but for a lot of people in our target group, especially people that are coming often as central figures in a context, in a society and coming to Sweden when, and the only thing that we ask for, or the only thing that a lot of companies in Sweden ask for is that you should speak Swedish. And that's the, oh, and that's the only thing that they don't have in their luggage. Like they have vast education and experience often and within different fields, which is greatly demanded here in Sweden. But the only thing that uh, really counts is that they should speak the Swedish language. And that's, of course, uh, impossible not to crack for somebody who just arrived. So to Yeah, to be sure. And I mean, you obviously are up against some powerful forces. Not that anyone is deliberately mean and not want to give someone a shot. It's just that the way that we tend to do hiring, we will be impacted by, you know, as you say, language. Where have you studied? What have you done? If you're not something I can recognize and have a reference to, it's going to be harder for me to grasp who you are. So you said you find the people and match them with the right opportunity. How do you do that? Can't you just like go through, you get an assignment, how do you fill that position? That's a great question. And I wish there was a super easy answer. Is there no meme you can refer to? 
Uh, an Einstein <laughs> meme. Well, there should be. <laughs> it's Now pretty, it's time. It's pretty easy to create a meme and just quote Einstein. He can have said anything. <laughs> But I would say creating the process and method that we use is by including more people in the beginning of the process. We are using ads that we post on 11 sites, which is, of course, it's more of a, it's not of a need to have, but it's always helpful just to be visible. We have a close cooperation with a lot of the Rusta and Matcha suppliers. The Rusta and Matcha suppliers are basically suppliers to Arbetsförmedlingen, uh, helping them out with exactly what the name tells, like to prepare Rusta and match people out to jobs. But the Rusta and Matcha's company's ability to actually match people It's pretty good, but they often have so few people, each company. So we have partnership with, I think it's almost 500 of these companies. And when we get an assignment, we send a short description to these Rusta Matcha suppliers. We contact uh, Arbetsförmedlingen by adding role description to which is visible to our network, we activate our network, which is, of course, super unique to us. We have almost 50,000 people in our network, uh, which is updated every 24 months based on GDPR. It's updated and relevant, and these are people who are somehow open to new opportunities. So if we put up a job within transport, for example, then all the people that have shown any kind of interest or applied before to any job within transport is getting email. And we encourage people to apply. And this is the first step. So the first step of the recruitment process, then we include often maybe 700 people are part of the first step. And just to like sum it up, it sounds like shipping your job ads to a various amount of like job boards, communities, getting people like to see that visibility, to collaborate with relevant stakeholders, both like government, communities, companies, to reach as many people as possible and get them to see the opportunity. Is that a yeah, fair summary? That basically sums it up. And also having close partnership with schools and other companies and looking in the rear mirror for assignments that are similar to this one and then encouraging or getting in contact with these people that were because in in recruitment in general it's only one person that gets the good news of getting hired and we have maybe 10 people that are sad but trying to activate or disappointed, but try to activate these people that have done the tests, that we have done the interviews with, that are super, super, super good candidates, but have just fell on the finish line. We try to activate those as much as we can and see and try to find these synergies between the different assignments that we do. And then we do tests. 
where I would say there is, of course, a small filter between people that apply and then doing the tests and it's the screening questions, trying to find based on competence-based questions what's expected and needed as requirements in the role, and then they do the tests. And then we have, of course, shortened down the list very, very much, like from 700 people to maybe uh, 70 people. And then we go in and screen resumes. We go through how they have answered and how they have done the tests. And we follow this percentage target match on depending on which role we are recruiting for. That's the first steps. And on these steps, we don't interfere at all because we try to be as non-biased as we possibly can. And we do this by being more inclusive with what people get to see the job opening and apply. And then having the first steps of the recruitment process fully automated and you only proceed in the recruitment process if you have uh, successfully answered uh, the questions and the tests. But of course, we often go through, but this is more of a to see that if people have answered that it's actually they are in the in the step that they should so that we don't miss anybody who's actually good for the role. And then we have done like 95% of the of the recruitment process. Then we interfere. Then we take this, we make decisions based on the questions and based on the answers. And we do interviews, we do a background check, we do digital reference ta- reference taking. So in every step of the way, we try to design the process so that we can handle more processes, but that the process never misses a good potential or talent. So yeah, that was the long and vague version of our recruitment process works. And it's the same process, even if it's a CEO to a big group company, or if it's a warehouse worker, it's, we use the same process. Mm. And I think that in itself is pretty neat. And just to try to summarize the process you described, it's like opening up the initial part of the funnel, including as many people as possible, interfering as little as possible, and then go into like the fine tuning and human aspects or or uh, fine touches oh, yeah. of the uh, recruiter. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so what would you say are like the key qualities that you look for when it comes to international talent? Is it different from hiring someone locally? Well, it depends what we are looking for. Of course, there are qualities that are more rare in Sweden. There are industries that are screaming for competence or talent within um, butchers and so on. There, there are no educations for becoming a butcher or a meat cutter in, in Sweden at the moment. It's handled only through the specific slaughterhouses. So there are partly that where the competence is actually not available in Sweden, or you can see that people start working as uh, you cannot educate yourself becoming a butcher, but you go out and work at the slaughterhouse and then they educate you like learning by doing. But this is just a, a very fraction of the total 
amount, but I would say it's not a huge difference, but we are opening the possibility for companies to hire, or we try to open the possibility for companies to hire the right person. I would say it's um, pretty close to what we discussed in the earlier with our method by including more people. So diversity and inclusion is, of course, super buzzy. Everybody's talking about diversity and inclusion, but it's not super common that companies are actually having a strategy for how to work with these questions. But when I found Just Arrived from the beginning, I was working at a executive search firm. We do not have to mention any names, but one of the bigger ones and more established ones. And one of the first things that I wanted to do was, okay, but we can see clearly I've been in recruitment for, or within recruitment for a couple of years then. And I could see clearly that one of the biggest problems within recruitment is that you only stick to your own network. And if you start working for a position we're looking for, for example, product owner. And then I've been doing so many product owners. So I just go back to my own short list of product owners and check their interest and availability. It's just how I did it. And I think it's the most common way because people in, in general, we won't, if we are already having a good way of working, why reinvent the wheel? If I already have a short list of good product owners, why would I challenge myself and go outside my own network? And that's why I got in contact with Just Arrived from the beginning. So I said, okay, so we have an opportunity here for a good partnership. Just Arrived had and still has great talent, great people and candidates for all types of roles. But the only thing that they are lacking is the opposite of what uh, recruitment companies in general are lacking of, and it's good candidates. Or did I say that right? Just arrived is uh, the only thing they were lacking was assignments and the only thing, but had uh, so many good candidates. And the only thing that they were lacking, which the other recruitment companies do have is assignments often because they're more established on the, on the market and are often the, yeah, some companies more than others are the go-to when companies need to recruit, of course. And that was my idea for the partnership. Like if one third of every people that we present in an assignment are foreign born, then the companies at least have the choice of recruiting diverse. But if they don't have the choice, it will never change the way things are. And I got to know just arrived more and more. And it ended up me going fully to just arrived because I it was just too interesting to work with these questions and to be able to drive change bottoms up instead of, of course, it has to be an executive decision, 
to work with diversity and inclusion. It, it should not be only a HR question, because my experience is that if you present new ways of thinking and ideas and not having the business perspective and the why, HR tends to do the same way and work the same way they have always done. So it must come from above, uh, is at least my experience. Yeah. So, so say now that we have a bunch of HR people listening and they want to get the top down to understand the like strategic benefits of hiring diverse international candidates. What's the pitch? Um, I would say like it's very optimistic to think that by only looking inwards our uh, within Sweden's boundaries, it's to be able to find the right person. I mean, there are 3.5 billion people worldwide in the work or labor market, and two of them are speaking English. So the potential is vast. Like we have the possibility to find so much great talent if we are able to attract them. And the first thing I would encourage companies to do is by starting and communicating and writing things in English, because we are the top two, we are the second biggest non-native English speaking country next to the Netherlands that are actually speaking the best English in the world. I think it's like 70% speaking good English and being inclusive just by changing the language that we are using on a day-to-day -day basis is a key factor to be able to attract international talent. And it might seem like a super easy fix, but in discussions that we are having with companies that want to attract, the first thing we want to discuss is, okay, but is it really a requirement to have Swedish? And nine times out of 10, it's not. It's only because people are comfortable in the way that they are or the way things are. Yeah, I think I honestly had a personal epiphany a couple of months ago when I was talking to someone around this topic and I realized I never, ever want to work for an organization that doesn't have English as their business language because being in HR recruitment, that's going to just dramatically decrease my chances of fulfilling my role description of hiring like talented people. But also like, I mean, we have, we're like 60 plus people at Alva and we have 18 different nationalities and everyone speaks English all the time. It's a lot more fun when you get to work with a bunch of different people. It's just, it's both like, I couldn't do my job if we didn't speak English. And I wouldn't have never had as much fun and learn as much if we didn't speak English because it would have so many implications. So I understand that like it is a massive thing and I don't think it's that big of a shift, but maybe that's... Um, no, I agree. And everyone won't agree. <laughs> Working at Just Arrive, this is the first company that we where we use English first. But that's why, because we try to walk the talk, of course, and we try to have as uh, diverse 
being a diverse company when it comes to age, when it comes to gender, when it comes to nationality, and also that all the um, interns that we bring in that wants to work with us uh, and working with international talent speaks English. Yeah, But you know, we agree. And you know who else would agree? A meme from Einstein would agree that <laughs> Definitely. you can speak English. So I think that's that makes us three. That makes us three. Exactly. <laughs> it's the general <laughs> rule of thumb here. <laughs> In this podcast studio, we're now three. I know you have some fantastic stories of the candidate that got hired and turned out to be this fantastic superstar. Sometimes I think storytelling is an underrated tool to speed up change. Oh, yeah. Do you mind sharing a couple of stories, one or two, about when you found the talent that made the difference and that no one would have hired unless you were involved? Yeah, well, then then uh, I think it would be very, very many stories because we hold the hand of each the candidate and client so that we ensure that the employment will work. Sometimes it's tough, sometimes it's obvious, and sometimes it's super easy. But I have a great example of this, how based on the tests results and not by looking at the CV, how a hire could like check all the boxes and growing outside of the roles frames in just months, we hired a person to be a driver. So the requirements for being a driver is pretty simple. Like you have to be able to navigate and you have to have Swedish driver's license. You have to be responsible because you're handling a vehicle. So we were checking for, and and of course, there are tons and tons of people who fill in these simple requirements. But we found a person whose background is within airlines. He'd been working as a fly steward. We said like, okay, but this is based on the CV. Like we often try to find in the last steps of the recruitment after all of the steps are done. Often like the examples that we get are, of course, people that are have a good fit for becoming a driver, often have been working as a driver previously. Nine people out of 10 for when looking through the list of people who have successfully done the tests answered correctly on the screening questions were people who'd been working as a driver before. And this was not the case. And so we looked through his profile and um, being open and walking the talk. And just because you haven't been working as uh, this specific role before, but we try to hire a lot on potential. And the tests and everything ensured us this is a great fit for the role. And we trusted the process. We hired the guy. He started working. And almost immediately, things started moving for him. He got more responsibility. He became a team lead. And just within one year, he was responsible for the whole operations in Sweden. And the regional manager for this international company said, like, this is 
I've never seen talent like this. I've never seen a person growing so fast, learning so fast, and just seeing what needs to be done and just do it the way that this person managed to do. So this is just one of many examples for similar situations. And I think it says a lot when you shift the way that we do recruitment. And instead of doing the tests as a final step, because it's so expensive and trusting your gut feeling because it worked so many times before. And we've heard people saying, and actually saying, founders of big companies in Sweden saying like, no, 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 but this is wrong. When I hire, if I know within one second, when a person walks in the room, I know if it's a hit or a miss. Of course, it's very hard to discuss when you have like that kind of opinion, but we have seen time and time again, how effective this method is and using it within our target group, within people that are more working with entry-level jobs is no exception, uh, quite the opposite. But speaking of like misconceptions, are there misconceptions around hiring foreign talent that you would like once and for all like to shake people up and say that this is actually how it works? Like, What is it that people have gotten all backwards? Okay, so the misconception is that it's super hard and a big change. That, I would say, is the most important and also especially for bigger organizations that already have their way of working established and it's very hard to do and drive change and it is hard uh, to drive and do change it's one of the hardest things uh, that you can do of course but it's easier than many people think to bring in people with a diverse background. So that's partly it. And the fear of getting it wrong is often like the failure itself. So companies are often afraid of hiring people that they don't get at first or that they don't know at first because you don't recognize the school that they've gone to or You cannot see any familiar companies in the CV. So rather than uh, trying to go outside of your comfort zone, it's so much easier. And then, of course, this we can see on if you get a choice of hiring someone who you feel more alike or somebody who you don't recognize or aren't very familiar with or it's people tend to like uh, in a hundred percent of the times to choose the person that they can relate to or that they can see themselves in or that have a similar educational history as you do why people that have a studial background from the Stockholm School of Economics only want to hire people that have 
ekonomi bachelor from the school of economics or KTH or Uppsala or whatever you pick like they of course gonna choose people because you had a great time there and you can relate to people with similar experiences so by trying instead of just saying no because you are afraid of getting it wrong i think that people would be able to experience and appreciate more successful recruitments yeah i really like the first point of it feels that it's going to be a lot harder i just had a discussion with right before we went into recording uh, with a coworker that when she joined her previous job she was the first like international hire and it was a big deal etc cetera, etc cetera. and when she left 2 years later there were so many more so i think it's also like the big shift it's not as hard it's not as big and it's a one time thing and then you've opened up the talent pool of so many fantastic people yeah we shouldn't compare but how we think before like the first of anything the first time driving in a car the first kiss the first job or the first time trying sushi or whatever like it's often of course we don't want to do what we fear but it's often when looking back i think that everybody can feel like what was i even afraid of what did i expect mm. sushi is great sushi is fantastic <laughs> <laughs> to wrap up besides that sushi is great what actionable piece of advice would you like to offer hr professionals that want to take this route and like tapping into international talent pools what should they do it's hard no you're supposed to say it's easy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but it, it's hard to choose one uh, okay okay <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to choose one actionable piece of advice because there are so many and i would say we should not sell just arrived here but you can always give us a call <laughs> yeah but i think that's that's fair because we can we don't want to take over the whole recruitment process but we can be a good add-on to already existing processes or ways of working with recruitment and like we just discussed like the fear of getting it wrong is often the failure itself so trying to get out there and try because it's not as hard as it seems and thinking and discussing diversity and inclusion is one thing and it often leads to just a quote somewhere like how a company sees itself but actually just trying to put down actionable things that they can actually do is i would say a crucial step forward if we want to attract this vast amount of talent that is already in sweden but also people who wants to come to sweden yeah so if i'm going to sum try at least to sum up the entire wisdom of the episode so we can turn that into memes it would be switch to english open up your talent pool focus on potential and then team up with experts that knows how this is done like yourself leo either to get actual help or at least like start the conversation and tap into that network i think that's um 
at least hopefully that's actionable uh, tips that you can take with you. Yeah, definitely. And trust the process. Great one. Great one. Build an evidence-based recruitment process and trust the process. Yeah. And Einstein said that probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Many times. Probably. Many times. <laughs> <laughs> Frequent saying. Leo, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining How We Hire and uh, hope to continue this, this discussion. If people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Uh, they can always check me out on LinkedIn. And I'm sure you will add my full name or they can email me at leo at justrive.se. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Leo. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.